Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Navigating the Work Compass. I'm Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, and my esteemed co-host, Susan Chapman-Hughes, is running late, so you will see her come back into the conversation shortly. But over the last couple of weeks, and certainly actually over the last several months, we've been talking a lot about leadership, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a good manager, um, how leaders must be connective, but more importantly, how leaders must be empathetic. And as we are hitting Women's History Month and yesterday we celebrated International Women's Day, we couldn't have thought of two better guests to bring on to navigating the work companies than Lorraine Harriton, who is the president and CEO of Catalyst, and Whitley Edwards, Associate Creative Director at Burns Group. And they, over the last couple of years, and Luminary has been a proud partner of their Bias Correct campaign since 2019, have done phenomenal campaigns, yes, throughout Women's History Month and, and much longer than that, but really to bring conversations around topics that need to be discussed in the workplace. And so they launched last week, and yesterday was a big reveal, around their CEO campaign, Chief Empathy Officer. Mm. So Whitley and Lorraine, and hello, Susan. Hello, um, hello, and welcome to our guest. It's really great to see you all today. Great very to excited. So Lorraine, um, we've had the pleasure of working with Catalyst over the last couple of years, as I mentioned, with Bias Correct. But can you give a little bit of background on Catalyst, What uh, you know, all of the things that you're doing, and then um, we'll have Whitley talk a little bit about Burns Group. Um, sure, and thank you for having me, Kate. Um, it's a pleasure to be um, doing this with you all. Um, so Catalyst is a global nonprofit that's focused on advancing women in the workplace. We are celebrating our 60th anniversary this year, and our theme is Great Reimagining, Equity for Women, Equity for All. Um, and we, we service um, corporations. We have over 500 supporters, multinational companies, and we do research and thought leadership around what it takes to advance women in the workplace. We have a whole suite of learning and knowledge products to help corporations um, enable um, workplaces that work for women. And then we do a lot of convenings. Um, in fact, um, on March 17th, we're having a hybrid event at the New York Hilton, the first time in two years. So we really are about creating real equity in the workplace for women. Amazing. And Whitley, welcome. I get to know Whitley as well because we work with the Burns Group as one of our own corporate members. Yeah, um, so the Burns Group is a small independent creative agency that has been around for a little bit over 17 years now. I've been there for four years. So I came in and got to work on Catalyst immediately the first year Catalyst worked with them. So they're one of our favorite clients because they have all of this research and history that we can pull from to kind of create campaigns that really add important conversations out into the ethos, which is really important to us as an agency as well. We love right. working with you. We've done some really great things together. And Whitley, if you'll recall, cast your mind a year ago when we were launching uh, Women's History Month, International Women's Day, the Bias Correct campaign last year, Susan, my esteemed co-host, was part of that conversation as well. Yes, and it yes. was a great conversation. And this is so timely in terms of talking about empathy because we see so many leaders out here who lack it who don't understand why it's so important. And so I love this conversation about a chief empathy officer. How did that even come up? 
Yeah, so I think the, again, one of my favorite things about Catalyst is they have all the data. So if you like research at all, they are the place to go to, to really just get your head wrapped around what's going on. Because I think so much of the problem with the biases that women face in the workplace is that they are invisible. So you can feel like something's happening to you. You can feel like maybe you're being overlooked because of X, Y, and Z. But unless you have the data to point to, it's hard to make that argument not make you sound overly emotional. Um, so in the first year, obviously, really looking at the different ways in which we label men and women. And one of my favorite reports that they have is really about the double bind dilemma that women face in the workplace as they try and climb the reins. So basically, if you're a woman who shows up and wants to be a leader and you act with traits that are more feminine, like caring or empathetic, people do not see you as a competent leader because in our minds, leader equals masculine and really assertive and dominant. So when women portray those features, they're also not seen as likable, which also causes issues on their trajectory. So you're basically damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, if you're a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think what was interesting about this year is Catalyst is celebrating six years, which is amazing. And it really, it's it's interesting that it overlapped in this time of reflection, because I think as corporate like world, everyone is reflecting on what worked, what didn't, how we're evolving, what the future looks like, like we've never had the opportunity to reflect before. So we really started by looking back at Catalyst and what they've done in 60 years. And what was really fascinating to us is it's easy to forget that 60 years ago, you could run an ad that said, men wanted for CEO positions and openly discriminate against women for roles. So those people, like the idea that like that happened just six years ago makes it so much more easier to wrap your head around the fact that these biases have still been in the workplace. Just because legally you can't say it anymore, it doesn't mean that our ideas of leaders aren't still ingrained from, you know, six years ago, which is yeah. crazy when you think about it. Um, and so, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Whitley. Oh, no. Yeah. So I, so I think like what that really stood out to us and like the ways that it impacts. But the other thing that really stood out to us is all Catalyst's research they have now that they've done over the past two years around the power of empathy and how if you, even if you look at it on a global level, all of the countries that really seem to navigate COVID better were led by women with an empathetic style. And it was directly correlated back to empathy because it is more of a coming together and trying to work with the individuals that it allows people to innovate, I think, and like really bring their unique selves to the table. Um, whereas a masculine way, which is, would be more taking charge and not asking for help or trying to like fight through this on their own. So I think that was really interesting overlap between the corporate world and just the world in general. And I think what's a little bit interesting to me too is this idea that Catalyst has had this research forever that proved that like women basically get promoted based on merit, whereas men get promoted based on potential. So it's the first time we're actively openly seeing empathy is actually a driving force in innovation for companies right now in keeping employees happy and reducing burnout among women of color in particularly. And it makes sense when you think about it, you know, right now people are really evaluating their lives a little bit more and like what's important to them. So of course, like knowing that your company sees you as an individual versus sees you as just a worker is really important in keeping people happy. So it's it's just an exciting time, I think, for Catalyst because their data is really coming to life in ways and allowing us to have these conversations about really looking at that ultimate level in leadership, the CEO position, and 
how we can rethink how we think about our leaders and what they need. So Lorraine, you have had, you, you mentioned in the beginning and, and Catalyst is such an incredible organization and such a driving force around advancing women. You have this incredible opportunity to work with so many leaders across the, the hundreds of, of that Catalyst works with. As these last two years have, have sort of transpired, how, how did this idea of empathy and this was going to be the campaign for this year kind of come up from your standpoint? Well, Catalyst, when I came on board in Catalyst, we decided to focus on the future of work because there's so much change going on. So even in 2019, we identified that there would be rapid technological change, more crises, changes in people's attitudes to work-life effectiveness, upskilling and reskilling. But what the what happened during the um, during the pandemic is all of these trends turbocharged, mm. and because of that, we have a whole change in what the workplace is looking at, at and. What is the leadership style you need to be effective in that environment? Mm. So our focus on empathy actually was something we identified in 2019, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, then what happened is through the pandemic, it became more and more clear that people are looking for a more humane workplace. So because us, this big experiment of so many of us working from home, like we're having the Zoom call right now, this would not have happened 2000, in 2019. We would have had an event over in your, you know, your beautiful facilities there. We wouldn't have done this. You know, I know we talked about it, but now we're doing this. But we see what the story is. We have our children going by. We're trying to balance things. And, you know, what people are saying now is 75% of them want more flexibility. The reason we have this great resignation is because partly because people are really looking at what's important to them. What do they want? You know, it's important to them um, to think about a purposeful existence, more flexibility in their lives. These are the things people want. And we have this big talent shortage going on. So we have a reimagining of the workplace that we are all part of right now and figuring that out. And then we have to have a reimagining of leadership to be relevant and effective in the 21st century post-pandemic. And as you can see from the political uh, crisis, the humanitarian crisis we have right now, this is this is a continuation. You know, one yeah. of the things we identified in 2019 is disruption, disruption from climate change, disruption from pandemics. We never thought it was going to happen, you know, yeah. two months <laughs> after, <laughs> but, but it did. And now we have disruption from, um, you know, from political unrest. So we need a new leadership style to address that. So empathy is a key critical skill to enabling that. Um, Empathy, empathy can be taught. It's it's mm. a skill. It's also a life skill. You know, I use I, I'm on a learning journey like we all are to be more empathetic. And my 92 year old mother tells me that every day She <laughs> that I need to understand what it's like to be 92 years old and not having difficulty getting up from her bed. You know, um, and my three year old grandchildren remind me of it every day. When I with them and, and I understand where they're coming from and why they're crying and having tantrums. So it's a, but in business, it is absolutely critical for leaders to do that. And we need to disrupt the bias, um, you know, as uh, we were just talking about 
that this is a skill that's a feminine skill, that it is not a skill for leaders. It is an absolutely critical leadership skill. And many of the leaders today who are progressive, the, in, who are part of Catalyst, understand that. And they are looking to lead with empathy. They are leading to lead inclusively. And they know they are going to have to do that if they want to uh, attract, retain, make make productive, reduce by, uh, um, burnout. All our research is showing that empathetic managers and leaders um, have higher intent to stay, more productivity, more innovation, and especially when we talk about um, women and women of color. Yeah. Susan, how much do we talk about this on so many episodes, right? We absolutely do. It's so interesting because I um, there's two things that have happened in the last week that have like really brought this home. I was with uh, dear friend Carla Harris, who's a friend of ours, uh, and she was talking about the four generations that are in the workplace right mm -hmm. now, and that you have boomers and um, Gen Xers, and then you have millennials and Gen Zers. And she talked about, um, you know, when you say jump to boomers and to um, Gen Xers, they say how high, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how the workplace has been uh, operated, how people have engaged. But then when you um, ask millennials and you ask Gen Zers, jump, they say, why? <laughs> and, you know, it just totally like, uh, like it just came home to me. I was like, wow, that that is exactly what we're seeing in terms of why empathy is so important. Because when they say why, they really want you to understand like, hey, look, this doesn't exactly work for me. Like, give me some a sense of what that is. The other um, data point that came home to me was all of these um, CEOs and now government officials who are like, let's just get back to work. And people are like literally rolling their eyes and rebelling and saying, you know what? I don't want to just get back to work. I'm not interested in coming back to the office. And I think particularly in old school industries like financial services and others, where there now are lots of alternatives to go to, you can go to a FinTech where they'll give you 100% flexibility. You can go and make just as much money, if not more. Um, but also we're finding that money is not really the driver for a lot of people and the choices that they're making. Would love to hear your perspectives about what you're seeing are the kind of like je ne sais quoi factors that people um, are really looking for as they start to navigate back to the office or back to their their new opportunity. Well, Susan, everything you said is just right on the money as reflected in our research. 75% of people want flexibility as their number one choice. That's higher than compensation. So um, the people who are saying, let's just get back to the office are likely to be surprised when people just say, well, I'm not going back and I'm going to go someplace else. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the leaders need to adjust their style. I mean, to, to, to hear where people are coming from and give them the opportunities and, and if they want to retain their employees and make yeah. them productive. So um, the, you know, um, lifestyle, having passion for what you do, passion and purpose is really critical. Work-life effectiveness, flexibility is a key part of work-life effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, we catalysts have been promoting flexibility for a very, very long time because we know that just practically and pragmatically, 
women do, and unfortunately they still do, and during the pandemic is even worse, the lion's share of the unpaid labor mm -hmm. at home. So, you know, if you got to go in for the parent-teacher conference, or you know, it's nice if you can work from home and then go over and do that. Um, but so, you know, companies are understanding that and technology is enabling that. You know, if this had happened 20 years ago, we would not have been able to respond in this way. But we are very lucky that it happened at this time. And technology has always been a driver of change. I personally believe that, you know, we are at a moment in time. You know, it's famously said that sometimes nothing happens in decades and sometimes decades happen in weeks. Yeah. We are at a time where change is happening in weeks and months and we're feeling it every day. And it is really on us to, to really, another famous saying is, you know, if you want to predict the future, you got to make it. And we have the opportunity to make it. And I feel so privileged to be working with, you know, over 500 plus leaders of industry who impact millions and millions of people and communities around the world. And they are committed to doing this. When I poll the leaders, there is a gap between people saying 75% they want flexibility and what some of the leaders are saying. Yeah. I'll tell you, more and more leaders are saying we're leaning into flexibility. And if you go on the Catalyst website, we have a lot of practices. We have the Catalyst Awards. Every one of them are leaning into this flexibility because they, but uh, you know, let's get back to the empathy. You can't just lean into flexibility. You right. can't into the uh, revising your management style. I mean, when these people say they have to come back to work because I meet them at the water cooler and that's who I want to promote. Right. That's, you know, I have to say, like, that was a great environment. You know, you were you were managing lots of teams and some of the people had to go home immediately and they weren't hanging around to 12 o'clock at night so that they could go have drinks with you. So yeah. we have a more inclusive workplace when we're all on these Zoom calls. Now we got to figure out how to translate that into a flexible environment and change our leadership and empathy is critical to it. So we, 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 I mean, again, we talk about this, Susan and I, every episode, this campaign is so different than some of the other bias correct campaigns, because you're physically having people put themselves on the cover of CEO magazine, now renamed chief empathy officer. Um, why, why this campaign? What is it about that, you know, that image that you're hoping people um, either kind of reframe? Because Lorraine, to your point, and Willie, to your earlier point, this is not something that you can't be taught, right? Just because you're not empathetic today or to a situation. And your example of your mother and your grandchildren, I have very similar with my millennial and Gen Z employees, all the way to my mother and my father. It can be taught and it is a it is a lifelong journey. But why this particular campaign with the, the cover of the magazine? What messages are you are you hoping to send there? Well, I think it's sorry, go ahead, Lorraine. Whitney, I think you should address that. Yes. I, I was just, I was just gonna say, I think we are a visual society. And the thing is, you know, there is that saying too, and research supports that you can't be it if you don't see it. For so long throughout the history of corporate America, when we see CEOs, they're white men. And mm -hmm. so this also allows us to penetrate that visual effect of what, what does a CEO look like? And it could be anyone of any race, of any gender, um, you know, from any background. And that was something that really excited us about their willingness to partner with us and really try and rebrand and make your brain challenge the idea of what a leader looks like when you just are visually picturing one. So that was really important to us. I also would say, too, to double back to what Lorraine was saying earlier, the other thing that their uh, research has shown that I thought was really important to note is there's this misconception that 
when people are at home, they're not working. But what companies have actually seen some of their highest productivities in the past two years at home, because when you take away the commute, when you take away the water cooler talk, people can sit down and get it done quickly. They're more efficient. No one wants to be on a Zoom all day chit chatting. So let people get to the point. So I think it's important that leaders also challenge their idea of what productivity looks like, because the data shows that people are being productive at home. And the more that you trust your employees, the more likely they are to get back to the company itself and, you know, be really committed and dedicated. So I think that's also just an important thing for leaders out there to be thinking of as they're restructured. One, one of the things that was great about the campaign is that anyone can promote themselves to achieve empathy. So, you, mm -hmm. you know, you can use the photo um, uploader, put your, uh, put your picture in there and then promote it on social. Anyone can do it. And so not everyone in the magazine, we have um, uh, Karen Carter, who's the chief um, human resources officer at Dow Chemical as one of our CEOs. So, and, and this gets back to the fact that empathy is a leadership trait. Everyone can benefit from being empathetic. You know, mm -hmm. we talked about it, how, how it works at home. We, we've talked about it in, you know, in this, in this crisis um, um, that's happening um, in Ukraine. We talked Women about work empathy is a key um, trait for understanding what is happening with those people and, and dealing with their employees and dealing with understanding where everyone's coming from. So there's a message right on our website pointing to our resources around empathy as um, something that's critical for dealing with people in crisis. Yeah. There's a question that really came in, if I can ask it, Susan, in the chat. Lorraine, as again, as, as, as Catalyst is such a big organization working with so many different kinds of companies, the question was, my boss isn't empathetic. Um, how do I help him um, become a more empathetic leader? He's not empathetic to my situation. Right, which I think a lot. We talk a lot about the the leader side on the show. We also talk about how employees or who's on the other side are feeling. So when you don't have that empathetic leader, it's really hard. Well, you know, I think it's important to try to do your best to have those difficult conversations to give some feedback. You know, I've been a boss at many levels, and. I think most bosses appreciate it, honest feedback, even though it's hard for us to give it. And then, you know, you can point them to the Catalyst website. You know, we have we have a whole bunch of stuff. We have an empathy quiz. We have a bunch of learnings. We have a, we have a lot of resources around this. So you can back it up with the authority <laughs> of the research that we've done to explain this. And you can say that, you know, Everyone's on an empathy journey. You know, it's a lifelong thing that you learn. Um, you know, as I said, my mother's telling me this all the time. You know, so you know, I I think that um, that you can depersonalize it about. In fact, you can you know you say that this is a trait that is becoming more important because leadership is changing in these changing times, and encourage them to you know become part of Catalyst, use our resources, and because it's something that, you know, this this change in leadership um, and moving to a more inclusive leadership um, um, environment is something that all companies are on a journey for. Yeah, you know, it's well, interesting when you're talking it's about not, not, it's not, You are not empathetic. It says that I would appreciate if you could be more empathetic to my situation yeah. and here's what I'd like you to hear. You know, I, I love the tools, right? I love the fact that you have the quiz that people can take. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if you, you know, could just be very tactical and say, like, look, after you take the quiz and you recognize that you're not really empathetic, 
what do you do? What, yeah. what are some actual actions that people can take to learn how to become more empathetic? Because I think there are a lot of people who say they're empathetic, but in actuality, they're really sympathetic. They're not really empathetic. They're not putting it in action. They're not getting to know people who are different than them. They're not putting themselves in other people's shoes. They're not learning about other cultures. So what are some of the things that you think people, uh, leaders can do to become more empathetic? Well, certainly we have a lot written on this and it's very actionable in terms, in fact, even in part of the campaign, we have these empathy cards that tell you, you know, things you're talking about that you need to be listened and understand. You need to then feel their pain as was famously said. Um, and, and, and then you need to show with action that you really do care. Um, but you can go through training on this. We can, you know, you can read about it. You can do workshops in it, then you can also, you know, um, you know, practice it on a daily basis to be aware of it. But there's, it, it, there's definitely, I mean, just within Catalyst, and we're not the only organization, there's a lot right out there to, to do if you have intentionality around wanting to focus on this. Yeah. And, and what do you think the, um, because there feels like there's like this like separation, right? There feels like there are a lot of companies who totally get it today. And a lot of them who are like, eh, I don't really get it. What do you think the implications are for businesses that don't um, really push and make empathy much more of a of a priority? Well, you know, I think companies who do not lean into the new normal, which is, you know, more flexibility, a more humane society, different leadership uh, traits, they're going to have a difficulty attracting and retaining and motivating their people to be at their best. Um, and that's going to result in not having as good competitiveness, not having as good business results in the long term. That is why there are so many organizations really focused on this, um, because they, they understand that, that, is, that this, is, this is good business. This is not a nice to have. This is a critical business requirement. I also think the exciting thing is, is there is a talent shortage. So, you know, you can go back to that boss and you can tell them that you're feeling like they're not being empathetic. And if they do not hear you and improve, you have options. You can leave because yeah. you're valuable and there is someone out there that will act in an empathetic way. I think I think what we've heard over and over again, or at least as a woman going in a male dominated industry, um, what I heard over and over again is change takes time, change takes time. But I think if the pandemic taught us anything, it doesn't have to. The corporate world shifted to a digital landscape in two days yeah. because they had to. So when you're forced to have to act, you figure it out. And that's really like the where the pressure of people speaking up and telling their bosses and their managers how they feel and how they could be better served, I think is really important right now. Because what's cool about this opportunity is we've all been going up against this glass ceiling. But now that we're all remote, mostly, it's there is no ceiling. It's a new ceiling. There's a lot of different ceilings. So we have the chance right now to really hone this moment and transform what corporate world looks like, like we've never had before. And I think Catalyst has so many great tools for people. Like I cannot recommend going there more and diving in deep because there are a lot of guides and how to have those tough conversations and a lot of stats to back it up so that you can't be told that you're being emotional about something because you have data. Right. I mean, you know, we are at a real crossroads because of the number of women who have dropped out of the workforce, of the changing dynamics. You know, we have um, many conversations, lots of data for people of color, particularly black people who have said, you know what, I don't wanna be back in the office because it allows me not to deal with microaggressions. I don't have to deal with 
um, some of the drama. I, you know, just really quickly, I have to share the story. I had a, a, a meeting yesterday uh, and I got to the meeting early and uh, I was waiting in the hallway for the guy to come and uh, connect with me because he was going to, our, our meeting was happening 20 minutes later. And so I sent an email and I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm uh, uh, outside. So if you want to just come grab me when you're ready, that'd be awesome. So not less than two seconds later, he comes off the elevator and I said, oh, hi, are you so-and-so? said, oh yeah, are you here to let me in the door? <gasps> and I said, no, I'm not. And he goes, well, well, what do you do for us? I was like, nothing, I'm actually here to meet with you. And his whole face like turned upside down. And like, look, to his credit, he apologized. He actually sent me two emails apologizing and acknowledging that it was like problematic and troubling. But it, it couldn't like escape my brain that like here we are um, in a situation where um, they don't expect for me to be the person who's in charge showing yeah. up. And I think that, you know, being uh, empathetic is really going to force people to change their mindsets around what a CEO or what a senior leader actually looks like. And I think that's so imperative, but that's not going to happen unless we get more people back into the workforce who've dropped out. Yeah. So with just love, you know, as we we're kind of closing in on time, any final comments that you all want to make about, you know, your chief empathy officer, a, a charge to people, whatever yeah. it is, because it's been a great conversation. And, but before we go, I just want to make one, um, Whitley, I loved how you said, you know, for, for organizations say, well, it takes time. And then an analogy of in less than two days, you know, 99% of companies put their workforce online. Right. So and, and we're talking big companies, the banks of the world, technology, like literally going online when they had never been in remote before ever in the history of their company. So I love that analogy. It, listen, it takes time, but it can happen pretty quickly if you put your mind to it. Um, Whitley, any last comments on the campaign? I know we've put up in the chat for those of you that are watching, but also those of you that are listening to the podcast later. Go to catalyst.org and you can find out all of the information. You can change your, your profile pic. You can be on the cover of the magazine. But Willie, I'll over to you and then Lorraine. Yeah, so the website for creating your cover for taking the these test is actually catalyst.org slash bias correct. Or there's also a dummy website, ceotoday.org, because we have you know, ads out in the wild trying to pull people in. I think the biggest takeaway, I, I would encourage all of you guys, one, to go and do the empathy test because it is a skill. It's a muscle. We can all work on it. We can always be constantly improving it, to Lorraine's point. I also think just remember right now, we as employees hold the power of making the workplace what we want it to be. So bringing these resources and having these tough conversations or taking your talent elsewhere, because you really are empowered right now to reshape the world like we never have been before. So use your voice and use your LinkedIn profiles to share how your new CEO cover. Well, I just like to second what Whitney said and say that, you know, now is the moment. I think there isn't anyone on this call who couldn't you know, use these resources to impact their environment or for self-development. So I encourage you all to take advantage of it. Great. Catalyst.org or catalyst.org slash bias correct. Both will lead you to great information and be able to become a chief empathy author. Uh, uh, Susan, I'll hand it back to you to end. 
Yeah, so thank you so much to our guests, Whitley and Lorraine. You have been fabulous. We love all the wonderful information. We appreciate you taking the time. And so to our to our audience, we just encourage you to dial in on Apple Podcast or on Google Podcasts and listen to Navigating the Work Compass, where we talk about current issues of the day and all about how we think about how workers work today. So stay tuned and we'll look forward to seeing you in our next episode.